Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcasts, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another Opus Well Style podcast. My name is Ivan Watanabe here with two of my partners today, Evan Wall and Russ Carpentieri. What's going on, fellas? Doing great. Happy hey, to be Ron. here. Yeah, everything's good. Thanks Thank for arranging this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're excited today to have a conversation with you, Russ. We've been talking about it for a while and Evan and I have two, or sorry, we have multiple young kids. I've got one, Evan's got three. Um, and so we wanted to have a conversation around, you know, raising kids in a household where, you know, they're not going to need for anything, right? And to raise sort of responsible kids in an environment. And, you know, we're constantly thinking about it and, and thought we, you know, we'd ping you. Uh, you've raised three wonderful kids. They're now all adults um, and, and really just wanted to kind of have a conversation. Sure. You know, as I think back and I actually talk to the kids about this and they reminded me of a, a couple of common denominators. How old are your kids, uh, Russ? Uh, Stefan is 33, Nicholas is 30, and Maya is 24. Okay. All uh, independent and doing what they should be doing. But I think when I look back, before I had kids or right around when I was having kids, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the circle of friends that you are around and what their common uh, goals are or how they are being, you know, just every day. And we always were around relatively conservative people, hardworking people. And some of them came from very wealthy families and others of myself, my father was a plumber, my mother stayed home at work, came from something where they, you know, had to make it on their own or had a desire to, to make it on their own. And when we kind of look back, we always raised our kids with a tremendous amount of humility and respect for everybody around them. Uh, the thing that strikes me the most was as we were kind of climbing uh, in our careers and we had more resources to us, no one ever really left those core values. We really held onto them and reminded our kids uh, along the way of how lucky they were and that they shouldn't take this for granted and that they needed to be responsible as they matured down the road. I, th um, I think about that all the time. Like it, it, the, you know, my kids, maybe I think my kids are a little too young to maybe quite get it, but to, to teach gratitude or, or not everybody has all these great things or can go on these great trips. How do you like, other than just saying, you know, this is great. Not everybody has this. How do you how do you instill something like that in in growing kids? I think you keep reminding them. My father kept reminding me that I had uh, heat in the house, you know? <laughs> and uh, it didn't. It seemed odd at the point, but you know, he kept reminding you and kept reminding you. And 
Um, I think that was a really, really big deal. And I would continue to remind my kids along the way. And, you know, it is it is a challenge because as you, you know, where you are in your community and socially, you start and there and there are things that are convenient. Right. So, I mean, you know, we had you know, we had a nanny and I told my kids, I'm I think Maya was five. And I said to them, I said, I want you to understand something. That person who lives in our house is like a family member. And you have to respect her. She is not here for you. She is here for me. And they would kind of laugh because really that person helped make my life easier and allowed me to do what I had to do. But my rules were very clear. And I would say, you clean your room. You have your laundry where it's supposed to be. You never get up off the table without taking your your dishes and everything and clean them. That person is not here to basically uh, wait on you. They are here to help the overall efficiency of our family. And and probably 30 years later, they are incredibly close to her. They mm -hmm. call her on her birthday, on Mother's Day. She she comes to our house and you know she's pretty much retired now and we cook together and she is a family member. And I think that level of like respect, respect is really, really critical. Yeah, because it's interesting, right? Like if you, our kids will start in a life where they don't know anything different, right? So if you, if you're, if you have less and then somehow the resources improve, that's sort of one thing. But when you start off in a place where resources already exist and they, you know, it, it, it is tough to sort of understand like what the alternative may look like, right? So um, I think constantly trying to remind them um, of that is, is going to be, is going to be important going forward. It, it is. And I, you know, it's not their fault, right? They were kind of, they, they just appeared at a point in your life when there were things that were probably way different than how you grew up. So mm -hmm. you have a level of appreciation and gratitude, and it's really up to the parent to figure out a way to communicate that, you know, consistently. And I think the general theme was, and I always thought that I was never going to enable my children or take away their drive or motivation to do better, regardless of what it was, whether it was in sports, whether it was in school. And I would tell them, I don't really care about your friends and what they're doing. I, you live here. And sometimes they'd come back and say, oh, we were at such and such a house and they had that. And I'd say, well, go live there. And then they would look at me. And, you know, <laughs> you kind of have to have a little bit of a tough love. Yeah. But at the same time, teach them responsibilities and lessons. I will say that the two things that I that I did that I caught criticism for from some people, and then I'll tell you kind of a back end of the story, was I always made my kids have jobs. And at, at the earliest age, 10, 11, I don't care what it was. Stefan was an avid tennis player, and he worked at the tennis place and I used to drop him off at 6:30 in the morning and he would get out and he would sweep all the courts and get everything ready at a tennis club and then from there he would work the grill because he he would literally be behind the grill and he knew when everyone came up that was his skill he knew when that guy came that he wanted a bagel with cream cheese and locks and he had it ready and the guy would say oh Stefan you're, you're unbelievable. Thank you. So he learned people skills. He learned, you know, all of these things. He came, And he used to play tennis with these members. And he came back one day and say, I have a big match. 
I'm playing with this guy. My friend and I are playing with the guy. We were told not to go for the winner, hit the ball back and forth. I said, oh, great. I said, what's the guy's name? He goes, uh, Carl uh, Icken, Icken. I said, Carl Icon. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, that was a really big deal. <clears throat> Nick worked in a, had a terrible job, but he was worked in a nursery and he was doing all sorts of manual labor. And he came home and he said, you know, the guy yelled at me and told me that I wasn't sweeping properly. I said, you know what? He goes, what? I go, you probably weren't sweeping properly. I said, it doesn't matter. Just do your job. You know, and my was babysitting and stuff. So we, we always kept doing that. If they wanted something, I didn't buy it for them. I said, okay, what are you going to do in return? And you got to save your money. And, you know, let's put a goal of how much period of time. And if they wanted something really big, I, I drew up a contract and we'd go over the contract and I would say, okay, this is, these are the terms of the contract and you're going to sign it. And if you break the contract, the deal's off. They still have contracts. You know, they just, they laugh at it today, but they said, wow, you know, we realize that our word has to be our bond. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I, I personally struggle with, you know, again, me as, you know, 15 or 16 months old. So it's not like she, she has a lot of feedback for me. Right. But I, I struggle with the, with just giving her whatever she wants. There's this, idea of, you know, I, I want to make sure that she has whatever she needs, whatever she wants, because that wasn't how I, my experience was. Right. So I want something completely different. And then also like this piece of me where you can't spoil the kid because she's going to have no values when she gets older. And so there's this in my head, there's this battle back and forth of, of how to do this correctly. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I have to often catch myself, you know, yeah, when, you, when I think about it, you, you don't want to do it. You, you got to remember that your generosity because of where you came from and where you are could actually be a detriment to that kid because you, you want to give it to them, but you've got to be careful in how you do it. And, and some of my wealthiest, wealthiest clients, I mean, super wealthy clients, when you talk to them about their kids, they did the exact same thing. They could have done anything, but they didn't. And their kids are almost oblivious to what's around them and they're just they're drivers you know and then there's others that that i know in our neighborhood well you know i say our town that their parents just gave 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 they can't find their way to a parking garage i mean you know they're really <laughs> like they're just like they're just they're just you know they can't get to that level of independent thought and and feeling and they're dependent upon that X amount of dollars that comes in every month to subsidize them. And they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I'm like, your kid comes out of college and they move, you might have to help them for a few months. That's fine. But after that, you say like, well, don't move back. <laughs> don't move. You can't afford it. I'm not going to yeah. keep you with a lifestyle that you can't afford. When I, I, I grew up, it sounds like similar to, to you, Russ, like mid, middle, you know, mid, middle of the road, not, uh, we weren't wanting for much, but, uh, you know, I also remember anytime my parents were fighting, it was usually about money. And that's kind of what drove me towards learning about money and, and wanting to help people in, in that sense. And so I like to think that my drive comes from, from that place of not having a ton growing up and, uh, you know, and, and working hard. And so, but, you know, I also wonder like how much of it is just people are who they are and you can't really change it. And how much of it is it, you know, the environment that they're brought up around? 
I, I think it's I, I think it's ninety five percent you're a product of your environment. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really do. I, I I've seen it. You know, I'm older <laughs> than you guys. I, I've I've seen this game before, and if you create that environment of excess, that child is going to have the the feeling that they're entitled to something or mm -hmm. they're they're deserving of it. And you know, the question is, how does that spill over into their relationship? Right. Are they going to then say, well, I have to find someone who can give me the lifestyle. Well, you're not in my house anymore. That's not how it works. You know, we had a, a, a 500 square foot studio apartment and we were happy. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. But I, I get the fact that I think a lot of people who have had great success are driven by something in their past or a fear of poverty or a, or mm -hmm. a, a desire to have independence. They just didn't want that to be the case. And then the trick is when you have it. How do you bring your kids back into an environment that gave you the same drive? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, for they have the same drive on a go forward basis. It's a slippery slope, but uh, you know, newsflash, it's called parenting. Yeah. 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 It, it's funny. Cause there's this book that I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Ange Angela Duckworth wrote this book called grit, basically just yeah. when they did a ton of research about different successful athletes or professionals, you know, what was the common theme and it wasn't, you know, intellect, it was grit. Yeah. You know, how hard are they working and how to like, how do you create grit in a household where they don't need to have any grit? You know, they don't, there, there is no, like, you know, you're not going to create challenges or make up things for the sake of doing that. Right. Because they don't need it, but it's, how do you, how do you balance that? And I think that constantly is in my head because grit for the most part is just created by circumstances that are in your life. Right. So, um, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? I think that appreciation and sort of gratitude and work ethic is, is the only way I think to even come close to something along those lines. I, I think you hold, look, I think you hold them accountable to what they want. They have to have a goal. They have to earn it. I think getting jobs and look in some respects, a, a menial job I shouldn't say menial, but a job that, they may not think is what they want to do, but they get in there and they they find the struggle of it or, you know, it, whether it's physical or environment, they that's that builds grit. Yeah. Right. And you've yeah. got to give them goals and you have to remind them that the world they're in is your world. It's not their world. Right. It doesn't doesn't spill over like you're here. But here's what happens when you go to school and college, you're on your own and you've got to constantly remind them you know my father's generation was they were brutal reminders you know christmas he'd come over and the kids were opening up presents and he would say ah it's nice he goes you know what i got for christmas one year a clothespin that's what i played with i played with a clothespin <laughs> so the kids would laugh at that but you know that re that old school reminding is important and i will say the other thing christmas we first few years we look back and say look at all these ridiculous toys that we're going to wind up giving away and we went back and said, here's the deal. They get three gifts. That's it. They don't get 19 gifts. They get three gifts. And one year I said, there are no gifts. And they like flipped out and said, what do you mean there are no gifts? I said, we're going to take the money that we were going to spend on, on gifts and we are going to put it into a pool. And each of you are going to identify a charity of your choice to give to for Christmas to someone who doesn't have the life that you have. And they were like, oh, look. and honestly, I got zero pushback. Hmm. How they old were they? 
Uh, they were in there between five and probably 11. Wow. It's impressive wow. that they, uh... yeah. 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 Because Christmas became like, it started in August shopping this. I said, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. <laughs> I, I, it's like, what are we doing here? So uh, the other thing is charity, charity, charity. I always wanted them to volunteer. I wanted them to do things. Um, I said, go to your local food bank, clean out your closet of clothes you don't wear anymore. Sitting on a hanger does not help. There are people that don't have things. So we were always and continue to be very charitable, but I think very mindful of people that that didn't have what we had or the comforts that we had. And again, when I ask some of my other clients about that, they will say, I did the exact same thing. Wow, we did that too. So like-minded people, I think, do find a way to continually drive that message and I see these kids, I remember when they were born and then I find out, hey, what's, uh, you know, what's Haley doing? What's And then you really go, wow, that's unbelievable. But we all pretty much did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so at what point did you start having a conversation about money, sort of about the value of it, the value of a dollar? You know, were you paying them for doing chores or how did, how, you know, how did that work into the into the conversation? Yeah, I gave them an allowance. We had a contract. This is what you have to give in return for your allowance. I love that and, contract concept. I'm like mm-hmm. 100% stealing that. Yeah, and you're gonna uh, you're gonna get an allowance. And if you don't do your job to the way you you said you would do it, you're not getting it that week. So I know you want a new whatever bike, but it's gonna take you a long time to get it if you keep up these habits. And I didn't budge on it. I I, I really. I was actually excited that they blew it a couple of times. Because <laughs> I, could, I could teach them the lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was, I was, I can't remember where I saw it, but there was a, there was a video of um, this parent that had two kids and said the, the best way to raise, to, to sort of have a, a circumstance or a repercussion for not doing your job is if they didn't get their, if they didn't do what they said they were going to do, they didn't clean their, their bedroom, that they would hire the second kid with that money from the allowance, <laughs> right? To, to, to like clean it, it up and then against each other. Yeah, exactly. And they would be like, oh man, I can't believe my, my allowance money went to my siblings. So, That's you know, the next time they absolutely made sure to, to, to clean their room. So um, I yeah. thought that, I thought that was funny. ruthless. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, you know, I opened up bank accounts for them and I would take them to the bank and I'd say, okay, you're gonna have to deposit your money. I'd show them how to do a deposit slip you know, and, and things, you know, things like that. Christmas, when their grandparents would come over and give them a check, they didn't cash it. They saved it. Mm-hmm. Right. I said, you got to save this money. And any there... chance, any chance, I'm sorry, any chance we got to be in a, in a place where it wasn't like the greatest of neighborhoods, I would be very clear in pointing out that. And there's, I will say, my, my kids have an enormous amount of empathy and I think that is from awareness of uh, just just you know what the world really looks like. I tell them, I say, you live in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Understand, <laughs> you live in a bubble. Yeah. Are there any things that you did that you wish you did differently looking back on it? Or that sort of, you know, when you're talking to Stefan about Raisin Faye, you know, you'd recommend X, Y, and Z differently? You mean how he should raise Faye or... How yeah. I should have raised, or now, how, I, how you know what you would have done differently, I guess. And then I, for for those that are sort of bringing kids up in today's day and age, what would you do differently? Well, 
I honestly don't think I would have done anything differently. I was pretty focused on letting them understand all the things we just talked about. And I held them accountable for a lot of things. I never just handed them, you know, money because I could hand them money or, or created a, you know, an event for them. It was always a goal around it. It was always a goal. And it didn't matter how small the goal was, but if they didn't, I wanted them to understand that rewards are a byproduct of effort or being your word or meeting a goal. Mm -hmm. And I, I always did. And I did that with every one of them. Um, no matter, you know, no matter what, like Maya called me a couple of months ago and said, I want to get a dog. What do you think? And I said, well, you understand it's a very, very big responsibility. But if you really want the dog, I want to be very clear on something. I am not paying for one penny of that dog, no matter what. So you have to figure out do I get your insurance on the dog. You have to pay for it. Your food, vet bills, you're on your own. If you're okay with that, I support you 100% but do not come to me for anything for that animal because that is a huge responsibility. And she, mm -hmm. and she has it. She didn't get the dog. She got the dog. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. And she was complaining the dog ate a fork and she <laughs> do and I go, well, figure it out. Yeah. No, I love that though. So it's sort of tying the, the importance of the goal, but also the, the, how valuable your word is, right? Ultimately, just integrity mm -hmm. around what you say you're going to say and what you're going to do. And I think I was having a conversation with somebody recently around the most successful people I know. And it's because they, they say they're going to do something and then they actually do it. And that seems like a very simple concept, but there's so many people that don't actually execute on the things that they say they're going to do. Yeah, Ivana, I, I think you should start drafting contacts, contracts with your daughter at, at this age and just <laughs> just have her, you know, she'll she'll just lick the contract. Yeah, yeah, I love, yeah. I love Give it that. A go. The contracts were, were big because it was a big deal. Like, I, I don't want to go to that school anymore. I want to go to a pu my, the public school locally. Mm -hmm. And I knew what that was all about. I said, OK, if you want to do that, then here's the deal. We're going to draw up a contract. And he said, okay, and your homework has to be done. You have to keep a GPA of X now. You, Maya, when Maya wanted to leave an all-girls school and go to the school, I said, okay, you can do it. There's one exception. She went, I said, you continue to play two sports. She said, done, no problem. Her senior year, she would call and cry to me, FaceTime me and cry because she was playing field hockey and she didn't want to. I think she faked an injury, the whole nine yards. And I said, I don't care. I said, if you're on crutches, you're going to get on the field and you're going to support your teammates because you gave me your word and you have a contract. And she did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one of the things, I don't know if, um, what is her name? The the founder of Spanx. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, but she, she I remember her saying that part of what's made her successful is that every night at the dinner table, her dad would make them go around and say, what is the one thing that day that they tried and failed at and would give them high fives and would celebrate like a daily sort of failure because it meant that they kind of put themselves out there or did something. It also kind of removed failure as and connecting that with fear, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is really super interesting. Yeah. I don't know what your take would be on that, but I always found that to be you know, really, a really cool habit to create, because I think a lot of us are scared of failing. So to sort of remove that, you know, is an interesting concept. We always stayed 
very positive in what they did, even if they, you know, if they failed in sports or they were really upset, I'd say, okay, well, you know, you gave it 110%. It's okay. You're going to have that. That's going to happen. But I also, I would say that if they ever broke their word, uh, you know, blatantly, I would not even hesitate to take something away from them and have a consequence. Like, okay, here's the deal. You're coming home. You are going into your room. You are going to stay in your room. You're going to do your homework. You're going to come out for dinner and you're going to go back and you're going to stay. And we're going to do that for a week because I want you to think about your actions. And I, I really don't think that there's anything wrong with some of those older school tactics. We were clear that, you know, when you make a promise, your word is your bond. You make mm -hmm. a promise, you carry through. And if not, you're going to have consequences because there will be consequences in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's super important. Ru Russ, as we kind of wrap this conversation up again, I really appreciate you being so candid with us. Um, you know, are there any takeaways that you want to make sure that the audience kind of leaves or, you know, Evan and I, you know, get from this conversation? Well, I think it's it's okay for you to continue to expand your personal resources and meet your goals, but you've got to find a very, very strong balance. You need to co-parent with your partner. You have to be on the same page. And don't be afraid to leave your, you know, have your kids not be in environments that you don't want them in. I think having jobs is important. Having an allowance is important. Having chores and responsibilities are important. Utmost respect for anyone who might be in your house or just people in general. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm very big on uh, <clears throat> respecting police officers and first responders and any and and a waiter and a waitress, if they're mm -hmm. coming to the table, I'd say, say thank you, hand them your plate, appreciate it, may I please. Those are things that they never forget. And today, they will tell, you know, if you ask them, they would say, oh, yeah, I mean, that was like 101. So I think be a parent. They're not your, they're your children first. They're your friends second. Mm -hmm. You can't treat them like they're your your, your buddies and your friends uh, even though they are. I think our generation is much closer to their kids than probably many generations prior. But you, you got to guide them and prepare them for life. It's not easy out there. Awesome. Well, Russ, appreciate you. Thank, thanks, for, uh, thanks for the insight. And again, thank you to listening audience uh, for tuning in. Make sure to click subscribe below uh, to be notified when we release our next podcast. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Yvonne Watanabe, Evan Wool, and Russell Carpentieri are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian, Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Evans' California Insurance License Number 0H04936. Russell's California Insurance License Number 0C72511. Compliance approval 2023-155044 expires May of 2025.